What's going on, Rotherwood Nation? Jake Seymour here with Kyle Baxter, Reed Miller, for another episode of the GRD Podcast. And guys, GRD Podcast, and yet there's no GRD. I don't know, guys. GRD, he's under the weather tonight. GRD, I hope you're feeling better, man. Sucks you can't come on and talk about Celtic basketball, but should happen sometimes. So you guys are stuck with us three. Three did one with uh, hospital bab, so I guess hospital GRD is not a thing yet. Hospital GRD is coming. It's processing. Like the process. Piss on the process. <laughs> but we got a lot to talk about in this episode. We got to talk about first game three, Celtics Miami Heat. Uh, what is it? Celtics beat the Heat 117 to 106. Finally, it's about time they won a damn game in the play uh, in this series. After trailing 2 0, they finally came back and make it a 2 1 series heading into game four, which tips off uh, Wednesday night. Uh, I mean, Reed, what, do you, what were your takeaways from this game three? The Goran Hayward difference, that's what it is. Uh, he did play a lot more than I thought he would. He got 30 minutes, but um, he didn't really float the stat sheet. His normal all-around game for like at uh, minimal effort <laughs> with uh, six points, five rebounds, four assists. But he did get uh, three steals. He was hosting out there for a guy who hasn't played in a month. Um, he did get a uh, on the floor. He was a whopping plus one, I saw. Um, but you could see like he passed the eye test and like the difference he made, like, he was that facilitator that they uh, were missing. And off the bench, it was perfect. Like, you allowed, uh, like, Smart now it was bumped up to the starting lap, so you could see there was something missing on that bench. But you saw it was Hayward uh, provide that bench scoring. That first play, he had a nice dump down to Tice. Uh, so you could just see that he's back. It's another weapon for the Celtics uh, ahead for tomorrow. One thing I will say about Gordon Hayward, though, and then Kyle, I'll throw it over to you, but Brad Stevens said uh, in an interview, I don't remember if it was today or a couple days ago, but he was saying that the big thing with Hayward playing 30 minutes, that he felt good with it, 30 minutes was good for him, and now they don't have to go through the process where it's like, okay, he played 20 minutes, now let's go 22, 24, 26. Like, he's already, he already knows he can do 30 again. So even if he only plays 22 minutes, he knows that he can play 30 game, 30 minutes, which is something that I, you know, I heard that I was like, that's actually really good because I remember I said earlier in this uh, podcast when he first went down back in the Philadelphia series, sometimes he struggles to get back into that rhythm once he's been out. I mean, also he had the horrific injury back in what, 2017 now. And, you know, he had the other injury too uh, in the beginning. I think it was right around January. He broke his hand. Yeah. So that was something too, that kind of struggled to get back into it, but once he's in it, he's good. So, the fact that he came out and played 30 minutes, I mean, even if he only plays 20 tomorrow night, it's still something that I got to look at and be like, that's actually pretty good. They didn't really need that much of a production from him when you got Smart, Kemba, Tatum, and Jalen getting 20-plus. So they uh, bailed him out for one night. But I do expect a uh, strong bounce-back game from Hayward um, as he works his way back to full, uh, full speed. So this is what GID feels like, always going last. You guys take all the good talking points. Uh <laughs> Yeah, like Reed said, he passed the eye test for sure. He didn't blow up the stat sheet and he didn't fill it out entirely. But if you're a basketball fan and you watch that game, you saw the difference that he made when he was on the floor. It was nice, you know, having him open up the offense a little bit instead of those high pick and roll screens that we do where we never hit the cutter. So it was nice seeing that. Um, also, Enos Cantor only got six minutes. I was surprised he got more playing time again, but. Four and four in those six minutes. He did go one for four, but you can see the immediate impact that having Enos Cantor out there has. I'm not sure why Brad isn't giving him more minutes because I think coming off the bench, you don't really need him to play a lot of defense, but uh, definitely he definitely beats Tice on offense, so it's yes. nice having him out there. Yeah, I'm surprised there was no uh, no Time Lord last game. Um, yeah, I was surprised by that too. 
I do kind of see the point, like, Bam doesn't really stretch the floor. He'll probably, like, shoot that little, like, 10-foot jumper at very at a at farthest distance. But um, Kander's just, like, a big body who's going to guard him whenever you need be. Yeah, I mean, one thing, too, I do want to bring up, um, not to be the bear of bad news, but Romeo Langford, uh, he was playing, he got some minutes in, what was it, game two, I think. And, unfortunately, I think he tore a ligament in his wrist. And he's out for the season now. He had surgery, I think, today or yesterday to repair it. And he's done. Yeah, he's done for the bubble. Like, he's not coming back, um, which sucks. Because I actually think I think he could have been a decent uh, role player in the in this conference finals. And then if they make it to the finals, which, I mean, that sucks to see. But uh, it was cool to see Ennis Kander, like, like we were saying, four points and uh, just under six minutes. Uh, I would love to see Ennis Kander play more. Um, I'm, not a, I'm not the biggest Tice fan. I like Tice. I think he does a good job at what he does. But I'm not picking him as my starting center, like, if I don't have to. You know, like, he's one of those guys where it's like, if you have him, cool, start him. But if I'm not going to, you know, if I had to pick from anyone, I wouldn't pick him. Um, but then again, too, I'm not picking from Ennis Kanter either. But uh, I thought he was just had a good matchup against that Miami team. He um, had four points, like I said, and just good on the offense and a little bit of defense. Like you said, you know, you don't give him the, the best defense, but he's in that bench role. So, you know, those guys coming off Miami's bench, they have a decent bench, but – He's there. And I also think, too, he was kind of quicker than Tice a little bit, so he kind of closed out on people. I don't know. I thought it was interesting to see Ennis in there because we didn't see him at all in that Toronto series, I don't think, at least in the second half of it. No, it's like a, it's a unique situation because you got these three centers like Tice, Cantor, Williams. Like, you ain't even – I'll throw Grant in there also. Like, you play small ball five, he'll play four. Um, it's, it's all about matchups with number three. It's like – it's a unique problem to have. Not terrible. There's definitely a need for, like, a solid, like, consistent big man who can – play at a higher level, but I do think Tice is underrated as a defender, even though he's undersized. Um, but I just think that with this matchup in particular, it's different from Toronto. Uh, you didn't really have bigs that stretch the floor outside of Olenek. Bam, well, like I said, he's not really going to stretch. He's more of a old-school type of big, so Cantor can be playable for even just six minutes like last game. Um, but it'll be... I wonder, if, I wonder if we'll see more of the same in Game 4, or if we'll see more Time Lord because I have been impressed by him this postseason. He's matured significantly, I think, in his minutes that he's been given. Uh, I don't know what you think about that little rotation. Uh, I mean, I was going to touch on Tice again real quick, but one thing about Tice that I was kind of, um, you know, he has good defense too, but the thing that really holds him back is the fact that he gets such stupid calls. Like, every time he's down on the floor, he gets a dumb call. And I don't know why. We talked about this before. We don't know why. We don't know maybe if he, you know, G.O.D. said that he thinks he maybe slept with some press wise. I mean, I don't know what happens, and I so it sucks because he's a good, he's a decent defender, but that's like out of his control, and unfortunately, like it affects him a lot. Like it affects, you know, how he plays. I mean, there, you know, you know, how many times in the in this bubble that he's fouled out of games because of stupid calls. Like he'll go straight up, and they come, oh yeah, you foul there, and it's like, come on. Like I don't know, I don't get it. I don't know why he does it, and it sucks because, like I said, he's a decent defender, but it takes away from it. Yeah, uh, we'll get to officiating later. Actually, Cal, do you have something to say? He looks like you did. Um. Well, everyone usually shits on Enos for his defense, and I get it. He's he's a little slower on the defensive end, but traffic cone. Yeah, <laughs> but at the same time, I mean, he was playing his heart out. Those guards were not switching and were not going. Well, they were always getting beat on the Miami offensive side of the ball, and Enos was playing his heart out. You know, switching to the defender because it's either oh let the guard go by and get an easy layup, or switch on to them and have Bam just have an easy dunk. And that's not really his fault. I know Wanamaker, usually I'm pretty high on him, but he did that a couple times last game. 
And then, of course, Enos is trying to switch over, and he's just getting annihilated, and everyone's like, oh, why is Enos playing? So I don't think it's his fault, per se, because like Jake said, I'm not the biggest Tice guy. I think he's definitely a really underrated defender, like Reed said. But it's just the problem is when he gets on the offensive end, he's almost a zero. That's why when you have Cantor out there, I mean, he's just getting the points, and you need the points to score the game. I do understand Tice's value, though, on the defensive side of the ball. I'll say with Cantor, you're right. It's not like it's a lack of trying. He might just he, – he just stinks on defense. That's all it is. He, show, yeah. he, is, he is at this point. He's not going to change. Um but I guess we we didn't do we didn't really talk about games one or two yet. I don't think. No. Do we wanna we wanna give our takes about why it went wrong there? Because I will say, I'll just go I'll go first. I guess. Um, aside from what the series looks like, we have the Celtics. I saw a stat that said this: the Celtics have led this series for seventy four point seven percent of the minutes played. The Heat have led for twenty point three, and it's been tied for five percent. So that's crazy. Yeah, and but, what, what, but what does that mean? What it means is it's the third quarter struggles. It's the second quarter. It's the fourth quarter. Like we, the, in, I'm pinpointing each game we played so far. That's what I mean. And it's a game of runs. It'll always be that way. And those runs have killed us in games one and two. And it almost killed us. Uh, it got a little worried in the last 10 minutes of uh, game three, but we held them off. And I think that's part of the Gordon Hayward difference. Like I say, you just had a solid facilitator. Um, which you'll need to close out the series, but that's all you gotta do to beat this team. You gotta play a full 48 minutes each game. Yeah, I mean we can just break down the games real quick, run through them. So we'll start with game one, obviously. Um, I mean, oh my god, what a what a crazy game! Uh, the thing that got me so aggravated about game one was the fact that we led for basically the entire fourth quarter. I'm looking at the lead chart now. We led the entire fourth quarter and then blew it in the last couple minutes. And I mean, forgive me, it was a little bit ago now, but I believe there was a point where they, sh- they shot a three and they shouldn't have, or there was someone just took an awful shot for no reason and they should have drove to the basket for it. And it ended up costing us uh, into overtime because the Heat got the ball and then came down and tied it. So it was like one of those last couple possessions. It was a very, very stupid play on the Celtics part. And then overtime, we just looked so flat. I don't know what happened, but we just like shit the bed completely on that. And then obviously, Bam's block. I mean, you got to tip your hat off to that. I mean, oh my God, that was, that was a crazy block. That's going to be a top 10, top 5 block in NBA playoff history. I'm sorry, but his hand was, like, right there. Like, he got all ball on that. That was – I'm I'm speechless oh, with that did, block. It was so I good. Do, I do think it was cooler visually. I think it was cooler than LeBron, Duncan, Iggy. Not as, like – Goaltend. High stakes. I do think – I think it was – like, no, like, it looked better. You know what I mean? Like, that was yeah. – uh, that was unreal. But, See, uh, I have a problem with LeBron's oh. dunk because it was a goaltend, and it was, wasn't called. His no. dunk or his block? His, I mean, I'm sorry, his block. I'm sorry, his block. <laughs> that block in uh, Game 7 of the 16 not conference. Not the Iguodala one, not the Rozier one. Oh, oh, my bad. I got two separate plays. Um, what was going to say? Lost my train of thought. My bad. You said block, oh, yeah. and I was thinking LeBron. Game 1, Game 2. Like, I wasn't really – I was more hurt by the Game 2 loss. Like, that Game 1, all I could – all I took away was, like, Tatum hits that dunk, it's tied. That was just such a cool play. Like you gotta just yeah. appreciate for what it was, how the effort that Bam put in. Um, they they took advantage of us. Game two hurt a lot more. Um, that third quarter we got scored thirty seven to seventeen in the third quarter in game two, and we just never recovered from it. Um, it's just a whole lot of hero ball that was played in the first two games, not enough team ball. 
but I think that will change moving forward. They did see that we talk about that uh, the post game two scuffle, whatever you want to call it, in the locker room. Yeah, we'll get to that. Uh, one of you guys want to go first, Kyle? Uh, I mean, I'm kind of happy because Brad Stevens after the game two didn't really show a lot of emotion. He didn't seem really too pissed about that loss, which as a coach I'd be bullshit pissed. So the fact that I don't know what was going on, I'm. If I had to guess, it seemed like it was a lot of smart and um, kind of Brown going at each other from what I heard. So Brown wasn't really used a lot in game two. So my best guess is that he was saying like he needs to get more involved in the offense. And then game three, he was more involved and he was our leading scorer and had a great game. So that's my best guess at what it was. But I mean, someone lit a fire under their ass and they came out swinging. So. Say, yeah, I think Marcus really is the only one in those first two games that deserved to get angry like that. Like, he is that voice in the locker room that clearly it worked. Clearly they listened. And you could see, like, at the end of game two, game between, like, the day uh, in between each game and the game day, you could have uh, game three, you could see there was, like, that new level of energy like they brought to the table that wasn't there before. And they just need to keep riding that momentum. That's what you need in a game, uh, seven game series, is just uh, momentum. Right now, I think they can tilt it back their way tomorrow night. Yeah, I mean, before I get into about the locker room thing, I want to talk about game two because I, th- I think you need to have the context from game two to fully understand the locker room situation afterwards. Right. Um, so first quarter, kind of back and forth, uh, very close fourth quarter. At, um, in fact, Celtics ended the quarter with a three-point lead. But then it, from all the way to the half, they just absolutely lit them up. It was a great, great half, uh, great quarter for the Celtics. And they got a lead of 17 heading in uh, around the half. And all of a sudden, that 17-point lead, uh, you know, came back in the third quarter a little bit. And then it just completely, slowly but surely, you know, started to drop off a lot. And, uh, you know, you saw the Miami come back, and they got a one-point lead. And then I saw that, and I was like, okay, come on. Like, let's go. Wake up now. And they didn't wake up. And they basically, you know, trailed from, like, the end of the third to midway through the fourth, came back in the fourth, and then again choked it once again at the end of the uh, fourth. And I was at the end of that game, I was furious. I mean, because we didn't close out. We had them right there. We had them ready to quit. You know, a 17-point lead midway through the third, and you let them back in? Like, that's disgusting. So the fact that we let them back in just was awful for me. And then uh, I just saw nobody was playing hero ball. You know, everyone's hero ball. No one closed. Uh, I feel like the Eagles got in the way. And the thing that I kind of made me think about it was Brad Stevens, he's a great coach. He knows his X's and O's. He can draw up a play wherever, you know, whatever situation in the game, he'll draw up a play for you and he'll get you get you a basket, right? But the one thing Brad Stevens can't manage is egos. Something about that. And I think it's because he's from Butler. I mean, think of Butler. Yeah, it's a good school, but you think of Butler and you think of one play, one season. You think of that Gordon Hayward season where they went, you know, in that buzzer beater half-court shot, right? You know, there's not a lot of good big players go to Butler. So I don't think he's ever had to manage with all these different egos. And now you have a guy like Tatum, Brown, Walker, Hayward, all these like really good, and even smart too, all these really good players that are amped up and have a ton of egos. And I feel like he has trouble managing that. And that was something you saw in game two where it was like, you know, third quarter, I feel like if, it, you know, like a guy like Doc Rivers, Eric Spolsa, those kind of coach, coaches, they would have like snapped them out of that and be like, okay, wake up now, let's go. You know, and that was something too, like, Brassy, like I said, he knows his X's and O's, but when it comes down to the ego part, I mean, that was a concerning part for me. I will say, I'm going to kind of argue that point a little bit. I think the ego's problems came last season, as you saw, like, all that sense of entitlement, the chem- uh, chemistry issues that came with it. Like, it was too much for Brad to handle, too much for the team, and they collapsed. This year, I think it's been completely different. You bring in a guy like Kemba, who has literally no ego at all. I think he's 
he's like embodies like the Celtics leadership. And then Smart Smart takes that step this year as a two-way player and a, more of a locker room voice that he uh, was able to be last year. And then you got Tatum and Brown, who are just like young stars. Who yeah, Tatum, he tries to do too much sometimes, plays too cute, and that's where kind of I think that's where you're confusing ego with. I think it's just his like he gets he gets too cute too often, and then it, sometimes it costs us. But um, I think I'm Brown. Not even, what I'm not even talking about like they're on the like they're off the court where it's like off the court they get along perfectly. Like I mean, no, I don't know if you guys saw it, but I'm talking about uh, yeah. Well, that's what I'm talking about too. But I mean like. When they get off the court, they seem to be fine, and then they get back on, and then that game too, like I felt like they left the gas with the pedal, and I feel like a coach that could manage egos like that, they would just be like, okay, no, you got to wake up and put the foot back down, and then like a Doc Rivers. I mean, I mean, oh, he had a bad ending with us, but you know, think of like a Phil Jackson, you know, uh, Eric Spolstra, uh, Pat Riley, like those guys. I feel like they would just manage that and be like, okay, wake up, let's go, and jump right back into it. And I think that just comes down to I'm not even trying to be like mad at Brad Stevens or like you know to say he's a bad coach. I'm saying that's one of his weaknesses, and he's only been in the league for, what, five years? So someone that's just an inexperience almost that, you know, I feel like he's going to bounce back with. Five years. 2020 minus 2012. What is it? I don't know. Five. What is he signed for? Seven years. Seven. Okay, my bad. I got it was two off. (laughs) Seven years, though. Still, he has less than a decade of experience under his belt. So, you know, like, I feel like that's someone that he hasn't had a, you know, this is his first super team, you could say. Yeah. And I just feel like that's something, too, where it's kind of like it's just an inexperienced thing. And I think he's going to get that over time. I just think right now that was something that you saw. I was like, okay, this team, you know, the, like they, they can't close. And I don't think the, they understand in, individually as a team, like, okay, when this happens, we need to wake up and, you know, go right back at them. Yeah, I, I think it's time to uh, stop calling Eric Spolstra an underrated coach. He is, he's been a great coach yeah. since he came in. I don't know why people still call him underrated. Maybe it's because the team he has, but that's just what good coaches do. Great coaches, even. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do think Stevens has been thoroughly outcoached this series, and what that means is it's uh, Stevens has been, had his usual problems that he's had since he came in in 2013, seven years ago. <laughs> um, and what that is is like kind of like weak rotations. Like you really don't know what he's doing. Like why is that guy out there, for example? Or he just doesn't really know when to call timeout, like right away when a team, when their uh, Celtics are giving up runs by the other team. Um, and then just the play calling, like late game, let's dribble the air out of the ball at half court and then force up a three. Not a whole lot of sets were running game, at uh, game one. And that was very frustrating to watch. There's a lot of Kemba pounding the ball, pounding the air out of the ball when he was very cold shooting. So plays like that, you saw a little bit of change in game three, which was nice, like I said, with uh, – Hayward uh, back into the fold, but uh, I do expect that to continue. I'm very optimistic for the future, and let's keep looking at that. What do we expect for tomorrow night? Uh, tomorrow night, I want I need him to see like full force, but you know, foot down and just go, don't stop. I don't want to see a game two again. I want to see a game three, but on steroids. Like I'm talking, just go at them, you know, right to the throats, and just keep going, 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 because that's someone that you're gonna see with teams like if you get that killer mentality in the NBA. Like, think of, like, a LeBron James in Miami. That guy had a – and he still does, but he had a killer mentality. You were He smelled blood in the water, boom. Or, like, Jimmy Butler, he had it too, right? Stuff like that I see in the NBA, and that's how you win ball games. You know, once you're up by 17, it's not a time to be like, okay, we're up by 17, we're done. No, you need to keep going. You need to get up by 20, then 25, 30, and so on. You just keep extending your lead. You don't let up until the final buzzer sounds. And that's something I need to see. Game four, I need to see a blowout. Just to call it, I mean, I feel like right now Miami still has momentum. They're up 2-1. 
the Celtics got a little bit of it back, but it's right now it's Miami's in, in the driver's seat and you need to come back right now, zone in and focus and just blow them out in game four. That's why I said before, you got to play a full 48 minutes each game against this team. They're too deep, too many ways to hurt you with shooting, to under-the-basket play, to defense. Like I said, GRD looked at me funny when I said it. Their defense is very good, despite their guards not being very great this uh, this regular season on defense. Um, And don't give up these runs. It's one bad quarter each game. You can't let it happen. Uh, We've led for literally three quarters of the series in regulation time. Like We've literally led for the majority. We've been statistically the better team this series but the record just hurts us and we can't say that because of it so it just hurts when we could easily be up 3-0 right now but we're down 2-1 in a deficit but I do think that's why like we have that surprise it's like we have we we kicked it to another gear with Hayward and Miami maybe have grown stagnant and we know what to expect now we know their shooters we know their scheme um, where we think, I, th- I think another uh, surprise element's been thrown into the fold with Hayward. Yeah, hopefully this game, um, I forget how many exactly. I think game one we were up 14, game two we were up 17, game three we were up 20. I, I just, like, kind of like kind of what Jake said, I just want to win one by, like, 20, just absolutely beat them out of the barn, like, I just want to win a game and like win it easy, not have to worry about a shitty third quarter and not always worrying about getting on that totter of we're up one or they're up one because it seems like Brad Stevens is famous for that. You know, you're always in the game with Brad and you got to respect that about him, but you're in the game against the good teams and against the shit teams. So this team, no, no disrespect to the Miami Heat. I mean, they dogged their way to the Eastern Conference Finals, but this is a team that we should be beating 4-1, 4-2. So maybe we win three straight, but this game's kind of the series right here. If we lose this one, I don't know if we're the Denver Nuggets and have the resiliency to come all the way back from 3-1, but we'll see. Well, I you, have two, made the, well you go, Jake. You go first. I'm gonna, I have two different topics I want to talk about with you guys. So if you got something to say, say it. All right. Um, I don't know if you, uh, for you uh, close personal friends of the, of the uh, podcast, but if you go back into the archives of the uh, GRD Instagram account, podcast account, uh, there was a comment that Kyle made on the account saying that the Celtics will never win a championship ring with Brad Stevens as the coach. We are this, yeah, we are, uh, we're pretty, we're pretty close. We're, we're still in the deficit, like I said. So, uh, you just said that about if we go down three, one, you think you're calling the quits. Is that what you're saying? Celtics uh, see, it's weird. I, I'm a Celtics fan and I want us to win, but you know, Considering I told GRD I'd have to get a tattoo of Brad Stevens' ugly face on my shoulder, I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm a Celtics fan. If a we team go down player, a team player, don't let us win today, Kevin Millar. <laughs> All right, these are two topics though. I got. Um, I want to talk about the team in general, just heading into the bubble, um, and even heading at the trade trade deadline. Right, we did not make any roster moves at the deadline, right, or oh, any notable yeah. ones. Right, yeah, and I feel like that's, that's been the cold take of the year with that. Saying well, we need that, to get deadline moves. Well, no, but he's saying like that's the problem with us, and like if we lose, like all no, no, the no. Heat on Danny Ainge, like that's that's stupid. Listen, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> I'm just saying. Hold on, hold on. Let me finish with my topic, okay? <laughs> okay. And as long as it's been this past deadline, it's been a very long time of trade deadlines. We have not made a move. It's been rumored that we got close to making moves and never did, right? Um, do you guys think that it would have that 
maybe next year in the offseason, we go out, we need to get somebody. And we didn't do it beforehand, and that ha- that sucks. I feel like we maybe could have done something. Get Just get, like, a closer. I feel like that's what we're really missing, a closer. Not even someone that can close immediately, but can teach guys like Tatum to close. You know what I mean? Like, get that, like, mentality almost, right? Isaiah so, Thomas. Isaiah, I would have loved Isaiah Thomas. You kidding me? But that that's not going to happen. Never. never. That's never coming. But do you think there's anybody that they should have or that they should go for in the um, offseason? Anything? Uh, well, I got slander for this take earlier, but uh, I'm 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 on the uh, signed Boogie Cousins train. I think the risk reward just leans too heavily towards the reward. I think he can only help us with a cheap contract because that's probably what he's going to take. He hasn't played in two years. He's not going to ask for a bag. He'll probably come off the bench right away, honestly. He almost came here back before he went to Golden State. There's, he's been almost coming here since the days of Rondo. So. <laughs> yeah, touche. All right, Kyle, who do you think? Um, I have to look at some numbers real quick because I think there was a reason why we couldn't. But one team, one guy that I thought would have fit pretty well, and I really wanted to get, but yeah, Rondo. with all the ex- well, with all the extensions, it never would have worked. But one guy I really wanted to get was Nicholas Vucevic. I thought he would have fit in our system really well, but obviously he was dogging in uh, Orlando, and they weren't just going to let him go. But I would have really liked to get him this yeah. year, though. I don't, I. I don't know what center we could get because I was really hyped last year when we got the Moose, Greg Monroe. I thought he was going to be a really good addition yeah, to our team. He had like that game where he got a triple-double, and then he just shit his pants. So I don't know what happened, but yeah, I, that was... we got like that one veteran player for like the bench or something. Our top four is the best in the league. I mean, who are you going to put up against them? But The thing about the trade deadline is like, those moves, like Miami, well, actually, I'm, I was going to make a point, but Miami actually did a really good job. They went and got Jay Crowder and Iguodala, and you see how that has helped them. Usually, oh, bring that up, yeah. those deadline moves, like, don't really have much of an impact. Like, yeah, no, you don't really get, like, a perennial all-star that's going to take to the championship. It's the role players that are going to help you make a difference. Um, but the thing about the deadline is, like, it's very easy for fans to get caught up in the excitement and then, ultimately lash out when their GM doesn't make a move and Danny Ainge, like, there wasn't really, like, a clear need. Like, at that point, no one was really available that we wanted. But you saw, like, Philly was active a little bit, and you saw that, obviously, Miami, like, team, our, our biggest competitors were active, and we weren't. So it's not like they got any better or worse. Miami did strike, uh, they struck gold, I think, with, um, they got production out of Iguodala and Crowder, who weren't, who, Actually, Iggy, what, Iggy Demon stepped foot on the court, but uh, Crowder wasn't really playing to his full potential. But um, to answer your question, I don't really know. I can't really look in that fast right now because we're – I mean, no one expected us to make it this far in the Eastern Conference Finals. So I think it's the success that we didn't make a move. So previous years, I would have said uh, we we should have had a Jimmy Butler because I really like Jimmy Butler. I think he's a dog, absolute dog. Just, you know, just goes, 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 right? Um, but you brought the point – I'm glad you brought this up about Miami. They went out and they got Jay Crowder and Iggy, right? Now, I don't, I don't like Jay Crowder. I'm never a big Jay Crowder fan. I didn't like how he played. He's playing good in this series, don't get me wrong, but wasn't a big fan of him when he's a Celtic. But Andre Iguodala, now, we could have had him. And I feel like he would have been huge in the playoffs for us. Um, I know in Miami got him, and Miami's doing good with him. But I just feel like even if Iggy didn't play that much, he brought that finals mentality with him. Like, guys, this is what you got to do. You know, this is what X, Y, and Z needs to happen to get to the promised land. I mean, he was with that Golden State team. He won the, the finals MVP when they first won it. So I feel like he was – and he's been around the league for a while now. So he's like kind of like that vet. 
I thought it would be cool to bring him in. Looking forward, I think it would still be cool to bring him in. Uh, I love Iggy. I think he's a good player, decent player. Uh, but we just need more. I feel like we need more vets. Like you guys said, the top four players, top five players we have on the team, best in the league. But we just don't have a lot of those role players. We're a very, very young team. And I would have liked to have seen another vet come in or like an Iggy or not even like a, someone like a Jimmy Butler, like an Iggy. That's what I want. Just Andre Iguodala type player. Was, I just you know. think with all the assets that we got like accumulate over the years that we just turn them in the draft picks and that's just become our bench. Like, yeah, over the and years, keep adding more and more players. But um, I don't know, it'll be interesting to see, I think. Well, yeah. it's fine unless you're Romeo Langford and don't know what a dumbbell is and get hurt every time you play. But I do see with him, like I do think I do see his potential. Oh, for sure. You see, you see like flashes every now and again, but like you said it's just like I won't even call him injury prone. I just think these things happen with him. I, I would not call him injury prone. It's it sounds weird thinking that like he's missed a lot of time. He's been spent a lot of time in the G League. It's too early to call him that. He hasn't played enough. Um, but I do see him being a key bench player next year. Um, taking a yeah. big leap, like a not not nearly as substantial as like Jalen Brown did his second year, but something comparable, something where he'll get like a lasting impact, get consistent minutes. Um, but I don't know. I just think that you're just going to develop this young team quickly because this uh, core is clearly ready to compete now. Now, saw something interesting, actually, on a tweet. It was like, our core essentially is Jalen uh, Tatum and Marcus Smart and then Kemba and Hayward, just add-ons. Like, really, this core of Tatum, Jalen, and Smart is a championship contending core, like, by default, like, by definition. Like, you can't argue it. They're in the Eastern Conference Championship. They've been there for three years together now. Like, I just think that's weird. Like, that's crazy to think about. Like, Danny's a poor drafter. Look what he did. Like, I'm not worried about these rookies, I think. I mean, my thing with the whole rookies, and that's why I brought up the point beforehand, was that, I mean, I love the core we have now, but I think having a vet, giving up, one of those rookies to get a vet, I feel like that would have been good for now and the long run. I feel like it would have almost outweighed it because I feel like it would have taught those guys like that core of Smart, Tatum, and Brown, like, look, I've done it. I won it. I got my rings. I'm trying to help you guys now. And, you know, and that's this is what you need to do. Um, because I feel like right now, if you, you need a win, and it kind of talks to this other thing I want to bring up with you guys was if if the Celtics lose this series, are you guys okay with that? No. Like let's say, like let's say, like they just lose in a game seven off a of buzzer beater. You okay oh, with that? At no. heart. Nope, not even a little. We right. when you'll get this 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 opportunity is right in front of us. When you're gonna get a, a better one? Like you're the better yeah. team in Miami. I think you're just not proving it. You haven't proved it, and they killed you. I think you can still have a chance. You just dug yourself a deep hole, being down two one. They're they're not dead. You just saw the Celtics were up two zero against Toronto, and they pushed to the game seven. The series is far from over, in my opinion. The championship is right there. You look on the other side, should we move on? Lakers, we can hang with them. Denver, they're very young. They're in their conference finals for a reason. But they're even, that's an even matchup, I think. It's unique with Jokic, I think. Um, but it's it's right there for us. And I think anything short of that is a failure at this point. Yeah, I think it's the finals of boss right now. The Celtics, the, it's right there. It's literally in, like... You know, you can grab it right now. That's how close it is. You I'll need to win the finals. Finals are bust. It's not like it's finals or we or time to rebuild. Like, it's not even close. But at this point, it's like finals or not. This season was a bust. This season as a whole, right now, is a huge step. So that that's something to be happy about. But like, 
you're going to be disappointed if you don't win a championship, obviously. Like, you're this close. It's going to sting for a while if you don't win. So, what, so wait, hold on. I kind of changed it now. So, you would take away positives from this season and from this, you know, playoff experience if they lost. Absolutely. Absolutely. I do think a cha- not winning the championship is kind of a failure, though, at this point in the season. So, you see, the, how I look at it as not even a championship. If we don't make it to the finals, this whole season is a failure. I'm sorry. It's the truth. I don't care what anyone says about – Oh, we had a good playoff run. We had a good bubble thing. No, we need to get to the finals right now. It's literally right there, right? And I know Reedy kind of said about it, like it's not finals or boss like with like build the team or anything, right? But I feel like if you don't make it to the finals with Milwaukee out of the way, and you don't do it this year, this whole season is a failure. Because it just think of it like this: Miami, they're not not a good team, right? You we we need to be beating them right now, right? We they beat them. We. I mean, you can't just discredit it. Like, they are a good team. We're, I think we're the better team. Not as, yeah, not as good as us, though. We're a much, much, much better team, right? We need to get to the finals. We can compete with the West right now, the two teams in the conference finals, right? And the fact that we're down in the series makes me a little nervous because I feel like that's something that this Miami team, you know, they smell blood in the water, and boom, they're going to go for it, right? But I just feel like I don't know if we don't make it to the finals, if that's going to be something with, like, a mentality standpoint where it's like, you know, like, we were right there and we kind of choked it. Because we had an opportunity to do it, and we choked it. And a lot of players in the league don't have that kind of opportunity to make it to the finals. And what I'm saying, like, it comes down to like a mentality thing. I feel like, like this playoffs, like, like actually, I'll go back. Like, you can't really call this season a failure when you saw like our like young duo and like Tatum and Brown take these ridiculous steps. Like, you just saw Tatum, third team All NBA, All Star, and you see like t- t- uh, Jalen Brown just bumps up his scoring. He's now a 20 and seven player. Like, so is Tatum. Like, you, you can't just – it's really unfair to discredit all that after what they've been through last year and the leap they took. Like, that alone is a success. Like, that's our core that's going to ride out for the next, like, five, six years in, in uh, Boston. And then, like, you're connecting that to the playoffs. Like, no matter – like, if we if we were to just fumble the next two, then, yeah, sure, maybe a failure. Like, you, you blew it against a team that was not as good as you. But, like, you've pushed it to, like, seven. And, like, like it's going to – it's, it's – I'm, ta- I'm making two different arguments, but, like, I'm essentially talking about the same thing. Like, these playoffs, if you don't make the championship, you're not going to get a better opportunity in this. In that regard, it's a bust. But in the end, you do end up losing. This season wasn't for naught. You've established yourself as a threat, I think, in the East. You don't know what Toronto's future looks like. You don't know what Milwaukee's future looks like. I think you're the clear-cut, like, like rock solid team in the east for the for the foreseeable future i think i think if you make it to the finals this year and that's why i'm saying you need to get to the finals if you get to the finals this year you just went from being oh my god Giannis, jesus like the milwaukee bucks to being like yeah milwaukee like get out of here right and that's someone that i go back to my point about mentality right with you know you can make it you can not make it to the finals but then i feel like the analytics and the national people on tv they're still gonna pick milwaukee to come out I feel like that's just how it's going to be. And then they're going to pick Miami, too, right behind them. And I think the Celtics are missing in that two to three spot, right? Just like this year. But if you make it to the finals, it just comes back to that mentality point. Like, yo, we're the top dog in the East. Like, we're the king of the East. Like, you know, you need to dethrone us. We're at the top right now. And you guys are playing to play us kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like, you know, these previous years, we've been playing to get to that point. So if we don't get to that point, I just feel like it's a failure. Um. Well, if we were to move on, we've got to talk about who's on, who we're going to be on the other side, and that's the Lakers and the Nuggets. Uh, Lakers are up 2 on the series. Right now, the uh, 
Nuggets are up 44 to 29 with just under nine minutes left in the second quarter as we're, as you're listening to this, but you'll know the score tomorrow, you listeners. Um, so it's basically like, it's like, it's pick your poison really. Like I do think both these teams are good. They're beatable, but there's obviously a story behind one of these teams, especially, and that's the LA Lakers. You got the tragic passing of Kobe Bryant. Obviously, they're our greatest rival for our franchise's history. You got the seventeen. We got the seventeen rings. They got sixteen. Like you got, they're on that. They're on that uh, horse race to catch up to us. Like, let's say worst case scenario, Celtics lose and the Heat move on, and they were to play the Lakers. I'm all for a good story. I do like. I, I would think that's really something special. What's so uh, special about sports? If the Lakers were to win it for Kobe. The Celtics fan in me just doesn't want to see that. I'm sorry. Like, I'm not to speak ill of it. Like, rest in peace, Kobe, one of the best players ever. Like, you can't really speak ill of that at all. It would be a fantastic story, something beautiful. But yeah, the fan in me just, I can't. I'll, I'll be the biggest Heat fan ever if that were to happen. Worst case scenario. Absolute worst case. I got a pretty big rant. Go for, it. Go for all right. it. The story part. Kobe Bryant, right? Kobe Bryant, NBA legend. A legend in pop culture, right? Kobe Bryant, Bean Bryant, right? Kobe, I got the pin. I got it right here. This is from the Celtics. Uh, when you know, after after he passed, I went to the game and you know, I got the pin, right? Love Kobe, but I don't want to see the Lakers win. Let's just put it here. I'm all green all the time, right? I need to see this Lakers team not win for like the rest of my life because I could not live myself to see the Lakers win. I've already seen it twice, and I hated it. Oh nine and ten with Kobe, and I hated it, right? But the thing that with this finals win, if they were to win now, it would be such a slap in the face because, you know, this entire time, and correct me if I'm wrong, but this entire time, the Celtics have always been the top dog. Like, you know, we've won, 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 and we've always had the most championships. Um, so if we choke this and we're tied with the Lakers for 17, oh, that's a shot to the gut right there. Like, that's something to me where it's like, you know, like, that's what we're known for. The Celtics are known for winning. We're the most winningest franchise in sports history. So we don't, if the Lakers come at us and they get 17 and they're right neck and neck with us, that's something that I'm going to be like, damn, like that's kind of like, it challenges like what we came from. You know what I mean? Like this is the winningest franchise and then we're tied with the Lakers. And I don't want to see that at all. So I, I need somebody besides the Lakers to win. And that's, and that's another ring for Braun too. Like aside from that. Yeah, for like, LeBron. That's the worst part. I don't yeah, know what's yeah. worse. The Lakers or LeBron winning. Yeah, yeah. And it's it doesn't make me look good, especially because – I don't know if you guys remember, my take coming into the playoffs was I don't think LeBron sees the finals ever again. And right now that take is looking more and more uh, to the wayside as we continue, which stinks. Because if they were to make it, like that's that end game right there, that's worst case scenario. Lakers win and LeBron gets another ring to his resume. And the, all the LeBronaholics out there, they, oh, just more fuel to the fire. It's, it's still MJ. MJ's still better. Sorry, just going to get that out of the way. Who cares? MJ's better. Nothing's going to change. But I just can't deal with another LeBron ring. You're forgetting, Jake, too, uh, the other two huge Boston rivals uh, that sports have in franchises. Because, yeah, the Lakers have 16, but uh, the Canadians have 24 and the Yankees have 27. So Okay, okay. That's hockey. <laughs> baseball. I'll give you baseball. Come on, hockey. Come on. What do you mean? That's a, that's a Canadian sport. That's not an American sport. This was basketball was made in Massachusetts, the state I'm in right now. It's like our hometown sport. It, ha- it started here. So, like, we need to be, like, the top. You know, the Boston need to be, like, the top of the top. 
I don't care the says. original six teams in the NHL. How many were Canadian teams? Yeah, okay. I couldn't right. tell you five hockey players, Kyle. Be honest what? With you. I could not tell you five NHL players. Uh, I could tell you a decent amount. We're not, this is not a hockey podcast. Off topic. Basketball is better anyway, so that's the bottom line. Oh, we were talking, a friend and I, the other day about like our worst-case scenario – and it's Celtics get to game seven against the Lakers. LeBron hits like this just absolute bullshit three at the buzzer and we lose by one. And it's like over Tatum or something like that. I think that would Kobe fadeaway shot and Twitter explodes and actually breaks like the down forever. That's when you would see. Uh, and I'm going to be furious. The, I think the worst case scenario for me. Personally, it's Celtics fan. Would be Lakers win and LeBron win. Period. That's just worst case scenario in general, right? But if we want to get down to the, like the details, is if you can just tell, like the refs are gonna let LeBron and the Lakers win. Like it's just they want the story with Kobe. They want LeBron to win again. They want the Lakers to win again. And because I don't think the Lakers come close to winning again if they don't win it this year. It's right there for them, right? So uh, I I I just feel like the refs and the NBA could be like, this is LeBron's last shot at getting it. And we all know the NBA like to milk LeBron the last, what, 17 years he's been in the league. So this is something I look at and it's like, to me, them losing is worse. But losing because any team losing to the Lakers because it's the refs are making it so LeBron wins, that would be the worst case scenario. Speaking uh, of refs, I want to talk about this before we wrap it up. No. Tomorrow's officiating crew. No, got no. word came out yet, but Tony Brothers, favorite, uh, close personal friends to the Celtics, Tony Brothers and Scott Foster will be officiating Game Four of the Celtics and Heat. Perfect! Yay! Going back for a three-one lead. Here's the thing, Tony Brothers. I know for sure hates us. He, I think he has. It's what, what's what's the Tim Donahue? Is that his name? The guy yeah, with the, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think it's two ten Donahue two point Scott Foster, he's looking for a payday. He wants to ex- uh, extend the series. That's what he tried to do. Uh, well, that's Tony Bros too. But Scott Foster's notorious for that as well, just being a homer, trying to g- get a bag and like that because that's more TV ratings, more TV time. That's a bigger pay for the NBA. He's their little little poster boy for it. We want to call it for refs. He's gonna try to push the series, I think. But I'm expecting my heart rate to be through the roof all 48 minutes with their fishing and I'm probably going to get an aneurysm so it's probably my last podcast ever so it's been fun it's been a good time but uh, I don't know what you guys take on that is. So, so I don't actually don't mind Foster and I don't know if maybe that's I've just like why I just like I don't know I thought he was decent maybe because my hate for Tony Brothers is just so much hey wait that... are you wearing a wire yeah you can no, tell us wire. <laughs> no, 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 it's all right. Put on no, no, I'm just fine. But, um, <laughs> no, but I don't know why. A lot of people really hate him, and he does make some weird calls, but he's not as bad as Tony Brothers, and maybe that's why I can stand him, because my hate for Tony Brothers is so much that it's to the point where I, like, legitimately, like, get really aggravated with him, right? But I know we talked about this last episode, so did you guys read that big, and keep in mind, this is from Reddit, but did you read that long Reddit thread about why Tony Brothers hates the Celtics? Yeah. Have you read it, Reed? No. Reed doesn't read. It's just, I don't like Reddit. I hate Reddit. I've said this multiple times. I'm banned on, like, the NBA and Celtics Reddit for talking about basketball and having 
a, a take that people didn't like. I guess whatever. Uh, I'm banned on there, so I don't even use Reddit. But LeBron's I did good. Google it. What? I said LeBron's good. I get it. <laughs> but, <laughs> I don't even remember what the take was, but I'm banned on it, right? And um, I remember on the the Tony Brothers Reddit about why he hates Celtics so much. It has someone to do with was wasn't it like I? It was about football. Friend. It was about football, and his friend was Bruce Smith. I think it was, was his name, and he played for the Buffalo Bills. And Belichick left to go to New England, and it pissed off uh, Bruce Smith, which pissed off Tony Brothers because Bill Belichick beat him or something like that. It was some stupid, crazy thing. But honestly, with how bad Tony Brothers has been screwing all the Celtics for the last like since the nineties, I'm just all I can accept that rumor because it's this is like ridiculous. It's disgusting how bad he screws us over. Well, brace yourselves, Celtics Nation, because tomorrow's going to be an absolute fight. <laughs> I'm going to need a lot more than three pieces of green game day gum. I'm going to need, like, maybe 30 packs with him reffing. Jesus. Oh, man. It's clobbering time. Game four tomorrow night. Any final thoughts? All right, yo, predictions for game four. Celtics come up on top. Celtics, 1 million. Miami Heat, zero. Marcus Smart doesn't let anybody score ever for the rest of his career. (laughs) Perfect. I was going to tell you what. Game four. Bet the house on the Celtics. Let's go.